How fickle my heart and how woozy my eyes I struggle to find any truth in your lies And now my heart stumbles on things I don't know My weakness I feel I must finally show Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Like David Project podcast. This is John Campbell, and I just wanted to thank you all for listening to us today. Uh, we had a great show, a great conversation. Yesterday, I sat down with uh, uh, Jody and Matt. And uh, James, as you know, is usually with us in the conversation. He decided to take the week off and uh, do the right thing and spend his uh, day with uh, his wife on her birthday. And so we want to wish his wife, Elizabeth, a happy birthday. And uh, we did miss James, but it did give us a chance to have some a new blood, a new opinion. And Jody, uh, Matt, like I said, Matt's wife was able to sit down and talk with us yesterday. And we talked about how to find God outside of the normal Christian genre of what, what you would find God. You had to find God and uh, other than Christian music. And, and that's kind of where we started. Where we ended up was a whole different place. And uh couldn't have wrote it better myself. It was just a, a very good conversation, and I think everybody who listens will enjoy listening to this. Jody was awesome. It was awesome having her here. I'm sure, uh, hopefully, she'll be back uh, back soon because it, it was really, really a pleasure. I hope you guys enjoy listening today. Just one note: if you aren't listening through Stitcher, that I announced it last week. Really. Uh, Think about doing so just because it's so much easier to listen to your podcast through Stitcher, uh, Stitcher, S-T-I-T-C-H-E-R, uh, and it's a it's an iPhone app that you download and you can you can stream podcasts. It'll notify you when a new one's up. Uh, you can listen to it in your car. It just it's super easier. I promise you, you'll like it. It'll make it easy to listen to us or any other podcast that you want to listen to. Other than that, that's the only announcement I got. Uh, if you're listening at this Saturday, we have a worship night here at Cornerstone Church. If you have any questions about that, just email me on the website or on Facebook. And uh, it's at 5 o'clock at Cornerstone Foursquare. Everybody's welcome, and it will be a great time. I uh, hope you enjoy listening to the podcast today, and talk to you next week. So in what ways can we find Christian or God experiences outside of the church or Christian-affiliated things um i i like the the thought behind that question because i think we sometimes assume that something if something has a christian label if it's called christian music or christian television or it's a christian movie that it will automatically lead us to a greater experience of god but then the flip side of that would be if something is labeled as secular that um, a christian will abandon it ignore it uh, because it cannot speak to them about God. But I, I do believe I, I, that you can discover God at work throughout His creation. Um, in fact, I think that God's Spirit is present throughout the universe that He created and is expressed in all kinds of ways that we do or do not label as Christian. I find uh, great truth explained to me in the, the literature that I love to read. I've grown up reading fantasy stories, uh, fairy tales, um, science fiction, uh, works of uh, great imagination, and I've always discovered great truth. I think those things can convey truth to us. Uh, and um, Jody knows that I, I love to use, for example, Lord of the Rings <laughs> as one of... Uh, All the time. <laughs> I learned great life, le- life lessons from the Lord of the Rings story, and I know that Lord of the Rings... Is sold in Christian bookstores now, but and, and even though J.R.R. Tolkien was a Christian, it was not written as an allegorical tale in the same way that, say, C.S. Lewis's Narnia stories were written specifically as a Christian allegory. Um, Tolkien's weren't. He was more um, doing a riff on Norse mythology and the old stories that, that they used to, to teach. And so it's not overtly Christian, yet I do think it contains great insight into into Christian things about little people being given great tasks and rising to the occasion. Hobbits? I'm talking about hobbits, yeah. <laughs> Are you talking about hobbits? <laughs> That's coming out. Yeah. Like the movie? Hobbit? The Hobbit? The yeah. Hobbit? Yeah, The is Hobbit will be two parts or is it one? Because I thought I saw that it was coming out 
soon, and then I saw another one coming out. I believe that they filmed it in two parts. Not the book's not written that way, but I think it's just a, a marketing. I'm just curious. Little extra all. money. It'll give you a whole like set of new stuff to talk sad. about and sermon illustrations yeah, for the next ten years. Yeah, illustrations. <laughs> I can stay in the ministry. <laughs> God, yeah, I have more stuff it. to talk about. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes I feel like I've preached all my good sermons already and it's only been a year. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Jody, what do you think? How have you discovered God outside of the church or outside of Christian things? Sometimes I think that it's it's interesting to find something that isn't packaged as Christian, but you find the Spirit of God is somehow infused in it. Um... For example, I really like Mumford and Sons, and and that that album I I listened to it a lot, but particularly last year was really encouraging to me. And there weren't, you know, it's not a Christian album by any means, but it just had a lot of insight and a lot of um, you could tell that somebody was probably a Christian at some time in their life and was raised in a Christian home or something. But um, which just, we've since found out, well, to, yeah, to which be true. ended up being true. The lead singer is. Um, from involved in Vineyard UK, but um, but you could there's great that. depth in it, yeah, and and I don't even think that people have to be Christian all the time for God to get His point across through them. You know, I think that God is so active and so good at what He does that He can reveal Himself through a lot of different things that aren't necessarily have a Christian label on them. Right. So, and I actually really appreciate those kinds of things because sometimes things that are packaged as Christian end up being the same. Like a lot of Christian music is the same, and a lot of Christian books are the same. And sometimes it's refreshing to find God outside of the Christian label. Yeah, it's like new life being brought in, fresh, fresh water, and something that can grow a little bit dry, or new ideas. Kind of an unusual example of that, but I think that one way we've seen that in recent years in America is that the church, the particularly the evangelical right church, has not done a great job of caring for the the poor and needy, not in the way that I think we're called to biblically. There are other branches of the church that maybe have done that, um, but there has been a lack. Not, and I'm not accusing any one group of people. I'm just saying. Or any one congregation. I'm just saying that in general, those things had been had been slipping a little bit. And, and in response, there has been a large increase in the number of Hollywood celebrities, for example, that are taking an interest in social justice issues. And I think that they are filling in um, a gap almost in something that the church should have been responsible for. I don't know if that's totally true, because like I think of the Haiti earthquake, and I remember um, Bill Clinton and George Bush Sr. being interviewed and saying, you know, the recovery for this country is going to come from the church as a whole, you know, because we're able to mobilize, and anyway, that's... that's No, but I agree with you, and I think the church has the responsibility to do that, to mobilize, and I think we will take it further and be more successful because we have God working... Um, working through it, it's not done for selfish reasons. It's done for the glory of God. Where, but I do think that that if we don't do it, this is my point. If we don't do it, then God will get somebody to do it. Right. But also, I think it just like music, helping people. It God is revealing that, and I think people find God, Christian or non-Christian, in helping people. Mm-hmm. And so, just as you can listen to a Mumford and Sons album and find God, or just I think people can can help people and find God too. Right. You know, so like Oprah, I'm thinking of Oprah and how even though she's kind of whack, um, she talks about being generous and giving a lot. You know, so she says that it's important to give, and it, she kind of you know says it's karma or whatever that whatever you give will come back to you but there's there's a spiritual principle that's in work at work in the whole world and people that aren't even christians recognize this spiritual principle yeah bill gates being another example he's learned to be generous and philanthropic with his money 
because he sees that there's a huge benefit to his own organization, to his own self-worth, and so on. You know, they've discovered the truth that is a universal principle of God, that it's better to give than to receive. And if you, whatever means it, it takes to discover that, you may not ever fully identify why it's better to give than to receive, but you can still discover the, the law at work. Right. I'm reminded of, um, we had a guy come when I was a teenager and preach at our church named Ron Campbell, and he talked about spiritual principles being applied in the world and that even worldly people would recognize. And one of those was like, the anointing, like we're a worship leader anointing. And he felt that Michael Jackson had a worship leader anointing, even though Michael Jackson wasn't using that um, for godly purposes. He, but he could move people with his music. And, you know, I get, I had never been to a Michael Jackson concert, but I guess they were just really emotional and, and you felt something and you were moved and almost like a spiritual experience. That's how I felt when I went to see you too. I felt like it was, and even though, you know, Bon was a Christian and yeah, stuff, kind of it wasn't. Yeah, Christian anyways. But. Yeah. But, it, I mean, it wasn't, but I felt like it was a great worship experience because I felt, you know, the Spirit of God doing something. And so, I don't know. Right. So that means that maybe our understanding of the anointing is wrong because people are given gifts. Right. They are endowed with, with certain abilities. They can either use by them. By birth. For godly purposes or not. I think once you realize that, you can look or embrace that anointing isn't, you know, we're not bound by our beliefs with anointing. You can look at a landscape like New York and see the beautiful architecture and realize how non-Christians and Christians can build such beautiful things or just, it just really attributes a lot more in what humans have done or accomplished to God because of anointing. Just how, you know, I've just heard people ask, like, how can, you know, this non-Christian become so wealthy, Howard Hughes or whatever, become so wealthy and, do, you know, build these great buildings or do these great things. And it's just because the anointing, you can be anointed and still not be a born-again believer and still be anointed by God, like Michael Jackson or what have you. Yeah. And, but what that means is that we have to understand what we are saying by the anointing. A lot of people might be might be offended to say that to hear us say that Michael Jackson was anointed as a worship leader even if he never <laughs> if he never grasped it but what we're saying is he was he was spiritually endowed with abilities in that area it was a gift from God and i do believe we have those when we're born that that we're not that we're not just irrational animals but that we have been given a special grace and a special spirit by God to do things that are unnatural. I mean, to organize ourselves, even, you know, basic things like our desire to educate and to organize ourselves is not a natural thing. It's not an animal response to stuff. We are different from the rest of creation. We've been given special gifts and a special spirit that marks us as separate from everything else. Mm -hmm. And in that, we're operating in something, some manifestation of a spiritual anointing. Yet those that are then filled with the Holy Spirit in a in a you know in a greater sense, like in a Pentecostal sense, they they have uh, the potential for realizing that more specifically, understanding it better, and using it for God's glory better rather than for their own their own uh, profit. Right. Is that true? <laughs> that was a lot to say. <laughs> I don't know. You lost me like four seconds. <laughs> That was a lot to, to bring out, but I think that there is something there that we... Everything is spiritual, I guess, is my point, and other people will teach yeah. that. There is, there's no difference between secular and spiritual. It's either you recognize the source of creativity and the source of inspiration as God, and you do things for the glory of God, or you don't recognize it, and you do it for your own glory. Hmm. Rob Bell, really, I mean made sense when I, I was reading one of his books and he was saying how I, I can't I don't know if I quote this right but how people want to believe in God most people want to believe in God they just need to be shown what they or they do experience God just to be shown what they are experiencing is God for instance mm-hmm. looking at the Grand Canyon or having you know experiencing you know birth of a child or 
getting married or being in love. And those experiences, he was saying, those are really God moments and where it's a spiritual thing and, and it's something spiritual that you ask somebody who had, you know, felt a great love or, or seen something extreme like the Grand Canyon. It really takes you by storm. And he says that's, he believes that is God and that people want to believe that or need to be shown that that is God. So that always intrigued me. Yeah. I think it, it's encouraging too, especially in our postmodern society where you want to share Jesus with people, but often there's no point of reference because they don't believe in the Bible. They don't believe in God. They don't believe in, you know, in Jesus. They don't believe in anything, but it's cool that you can take, you know, pop culture and, and show people that, you know, all of humanity is crying out for a savior. I mean, it's so evident in so many stories, movies that are made and, and books that we read and music that's written you know, people want to feel love and they, they want to walk in wholeness and be healthy. And and so I think that we can bring stuff back to the Lord. And I, I'm reminded of um, the Twilight books. Shout out to all the ladies. What, what? So I know you guys haven't read Twilight. Or have you? No. <laughs> okay, that, that's your assignment for next, next week. No, I'm kidding. But, um... I thought Twilight was really interesting because there was a lot in it that talked about purity and um, and even being labeled as evil but trying to rise above that and, you know, have discipline and control your desires. And so there were a whole bunch of things that it opened a dialogue, you know, with, with I had some conversations with teenage girls about about those things that were in Twilight. And I yeah, thought, how interesting. Like yeah, how interesting that you can take this book that Christians kind of freak out about and actually open a really good spiritual dialogue mm-hmm. with it. Well, and that's an interesting angle on it too because because as a Christian, we may think twice about reading it. Yet, if you see it as an opportunity um, to connect with a, a demographic, a group of people that you might otherwise struggle to connect with, mm-hmm. then there, you could easily justify that. Yeah, and so I think we should, as Christians, we should be looking for opportunities to share truth with people. And I think that means we have to be a little bit slower about labeling things evil. You know, there are definitely some things that are evil and that, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, we can use every bad thing to point to spiritual things. But, I mean, we definitely have to be careful and have limits, but... But there's a lot that we can... Like, we used to use movie clips in youth in youth group yeah. as sermon illustrations. And I thought that that was a really neat way. Because kids are seeing these movies anyway. And so, man, what if they started thinking about the Lord when they see these right. you drawing, know, examples? Drawing and, truth out of the things that they, they already know. Yeah, and, and being able to connect. And showing that the church isn't completely secluded from the modern world. Um, just because... I think there was a push maybe in the 80s or 90s where you did seclude you burnt you know the big bonfires you burned all your secular music and you burned all your movies and whatnot and so it really drew up this image that we lost touch like we're you know completely secluded from music and movies and whatnot and so using those things i think it just takes discernment i mean i don't think you have to burn all your your music or, I mean if something is speaking sin into your life obviously it's not good for you but it doesn't mean you have to shut yourself inside of a a, a, a house you know and just not have anything um, so using movies or movie clips or music just like and I've told you both offline how I was watching a, a, a preaching done at Angela's Temple the Dream Center and they used Fix You by Coldplay during the sermon or the altar call the most you know, a spiritual moment in a you know in a service. Usually, they had a secular band playing "Fix You" just because they realized the the, the God in that or the spirit, mm-hmm. spirituality in that song, and so it just shown that I think it's good as a church that we've progressed into that level. Yeah, yeah, it's a difficult battle to face because there's always legitimate reasons for drawing lines you know, against listening to certain types of things and so on. But you just have to be careful about that. God will speak to you the things that you have to cut out from your life. 
that are not beneficial, that are not speaking to you. Um, but then that doesn't mean that it's wrong for everybody. There are some things we might all agree on, but you know, you still gotta, you have to use discernment, as you said, and you have to be yeah. obedient to the Holy Spirit um, prompting you. Uh, let me give you another example, though, that I was thinking of, of how you can find God outside of the church, too, and that there is clearly a promise throughout the Bible that God is always with those that are poor and those that are oppressed. And if your only church experience is sitting in like a multi-million dollar um, auditorium um, where you're not in contact with people that are poor and oppressed, then one way to find God is to go visit the people, go be with the people that God promises to be with. And you can discover God, God's presence much more strongly in places where He's really needed most. And I, I think we overlook that sometimes. Um, in our desire to build strong ministries and, and to achieve success, that that success in God's eyes is just being obedient and going where we're needed. And to go to those kinds of people, um, that, people that are struggling is what I mean, to go to people that are struggling and show them how God is walking alongside them and working with them is a very powerful thing and it makes us see God more clearly. In fact, even in in Revelation, I always like the, thinking about this but in the letter to the church where Jesus uh, says the words that, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice and, and answers and opens the door, I will come in. And we think of that always in personal terms, um, that if you open the door of your heart, then Jesus is allowed, allowed in and he'll come in. But Jesus was writing that letter. He dictated that letter to be delivered to a church. And so when Jesus says, I'm, I'm knocking on the door... He's actually knocking on the door of the church. And so the implication is inside the church are all the Christians <laughs> worshiping, all doing what they believe is right, all saying the right things. And Jesus is actually outside waiting for them to open the door to him. Um, and it, it makes me stop and, and think about that uh, situation. And we can, we can be doing what we think is right and we can be um, obeying all of the rituals that we think we have to obey and we can be... Um, saying all the right words, and yet we can miss where God is if we're not, um, uh, what's the phrase, if we're not, if we're not with, in the situations where we can find Him, I guess is what I'm trying to say. If we're not in the places where we can discover Him, um, it may not be in the church, it may be where He's needed most. Right. Well, and church just can't be done in an hour and a half on Sunday morning either. You know, I mean, we have to go out and and be the church and in fact I think it's almost what we do throughout the week is almost more important to our Christianity than just the hour and a half that we spend in church on Sunday I mean that church is only supposed to be a time to get you know refreshed and refilled in order to go out and Continue do something yeah. yeah to actually do something and and I hope that as a church we get that more and more and, and start to figure out where God's Sending us, and that we're mindful of, you know, the lady behind us in the grocery store that's obviously having a hard day, or, you know, waiting in a doctor's office and striking up a conversation with somebody. Like, I, I think that there's God moments, and we have to be really aware and in tune with the Holy Spirit in order to connect what God's doing. Because mm -hmm. I yeah. think He's giving us opportunity. We just need to be aware of it. Yeah. So. Yeah, I know one church who, whose small group ministry is to gather together in prayer, and their prayers are, Lord, where would you send us, and who do you want us to meet? And they write down things. They write down what they think the Spirit is saying to them. I want you to go to this place and look for this person, and there'll be some sort of mark of description. And they'll actually then get in their car, and they'll go to wherever they feel like the Spirit is sending them, and when they discover that person, they'll stop and they'll they'll get to know them and see if there's something they can pray about. Yeah. You know, that's a powerful, you know, that action of actually doing the things that we say is important. Yeah. Is, is <clears throat> we have to be willing to get out of our little Christian circles, though, yeah. and go meet people. Yeah. Which is scary. Yeah. But uh, then we talked about that on Sunday, just briefly, when, when I was talking about looking for a job, and you don't sit and wait for someone to come knock on your door and give you a job offer if you right. need a job. You get out there and you start doing the work. You you make the connections. You send out the resumes or whatever you have to do 
that's your when you're out of work your work is trying to find yeah. a job and the same principle is true in the kingdom it's absolutely yeah. and you wonder how you know Lord, we want our church to grow and we want to be affecting more people, but we don't just sit and wait for them to come in. We have to go find them. We have to go get them and invite our friends and, you know, constantly be looking for, for people to minister to and to pray for. And, yeah. you know, I mean, and even if it's not, you know, stopping in the grocery store and praying for somebody, if people don't feel comfortable with that, it's being different in the world and being mindful that yeah. people are, are always looking at you. You know, Definitely. even people that don't know you are, are watching and they, they sense. I mean, you sense in run-ins with people if somebody's a believer or not. I mean, you, you know, you just, yeah. people that don't freak out when they're driving or, well, I mean, I know a lot of Christians that do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's really, you know, funny that you brought that up because me and Matt were talking almost word for word exactly about that this morning and just how to reach people. And... I was just saying how I felt that being available is important. Um, just being, showing that you're there, that you are available, and living, of course, living the life of someone different, being a Christian, um, is really, really important. Um, the sermon that I listened to from Eleanor Mumford, ironically, Mumford and Sons, mom. mom. She, it's, mom. It's a mom. It's a mom. It's a mom. <laughs> She, I don't know if you remember, but she gave an example how she was, you know, in her young age, they had a small group. They just started a small group in, in England and they had got together and she had decided that anytime that she went through the grocery store checkout line, that if the, the attendant or the, the cash register person said that they felt sick or they complained in any way that she would offer to pray for that person. And she really felt like the Holy Spirit had led her to do that. And she was giving testimony how people were healed and all these great things that happened and how they basically discovered the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit, especially in healing. Um, my question is about being different or, or evangelizing to people, especially in this day and age, what is a good way to do it? How? how I mean, how do you... Like you're saying with a small group and, and praying and, and trying to hear God's voice or hearing the Holy Spirit and, and really discerning what God who God wants you to interact with and who is who needs him most and then writing that down and going there. What do you say? What would be a good way to approach that person? Or if you do just to shorten the question, if you feel like God's telling you to minister to somebody, how would you approach that? I think you hit the nail on the head when you said just be available because sometimes it's obvious and you just have to take a step of faith. I remember a time um, I used to be a phlebotomist and, you know, it was just like person after person of drawing blood. But I remember this one particular lady, and I did this on several occasions, but I remember this one particular lady who came and she sat down and she had obviously gotten some really bad news, whether for herself or somebody else, that she sat down in my chair and I had to draw her blood. And I just said, are you okay? And she was crying and just really upset. And so I drew her blood and I said, you know, I know this is kind of weird, but can I just pray for you real quick? And she's like, oh my gosh, yes, thank you. And I don't know if she was a believer. I don't know what ever happened to her, but I just, you know, I prayed. I felt kind of, you know, it was really fast. It wasn't like, you know, throw my hand on her head and like scream at, you know, I didn't embarrass her. I didn't, you know, I just said a quick prayer that God would, you know, infuse the situation with the spirit and that he would heal her or heal whoever she was there for and that he would make himself known to them blah 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 and so sometimes we do that and we don't see the outcome of it but that doesn't mean we shouldn't keep doing it but I think just right. feeling it out and sometimes I've asked if I could pray for people and they've said no and I'm like okay that's cool you know and so. it was still right to ask if you felt like you asked you should ask then that's, that's your responsibility. If God prompts you, you should talk to that person. Our responsibility is to talk to them. It's not mm -hmm. to guarantee that they listen or to guarantee that they do what we want. Right. Or that we get the desired outcome that we want from it. Our responsibility is simply to ask the question and to be available. Yeah. To do it. And I think we have to keep it real, too. And yeah. not, not go super spiritual on it. Right. You know, yeah. not get weird with it. But... Yeah. 
that's important because that can be a turnoff to people that, that are skeptical of Christianity. And I think being almost too prepared is a problem yeah. as well. Or the, the thinking that you need to be prepared. Like you have to have a certain amount of Bible knowledge. You have to have a practice saying the right prayers. I think all of those things can be a hindrance when really what we're talking about is a spontaneous and quick response yeah. to and something that like sense. Moved, moved by compassion to, yeah. Yeah. to give somebody what we know will help them. Yeah. And, yeah. and sometimes and sometimes it'll be just praying for somebody. Sometimes it'll just be a word of encouragement. Mm-hmm. You know, like you, sometimes you can sense that maybe somebody is resistant and you can say, you know, I'll, I'll really pray for you. What's your name? I'll, I'll pray for you. Or sometimes it's handing them a church invitation and just saying, you know, there's answers here and why don't you come check us out on Sunday and there's I mean I think there's lots of different forms that it can take and they notice that all of this is happening outside of Sunday mornings too it's all mm-hmm. happening when you are interacting with people and I think that's probably our biggest challenge is are we making ourselves available are we putting ourselves in the positions to where we can interact with people and are we laying down our pride knowing that it's not always going to be well received but Jesus wasn't always well no. received and if we're never even taking a chance we're not there's not going to be any outcome you know there's not going to be any good outcome there has to be a chance which means that God's probably going to test us all on this this week we're going oh, to be put in, in an awkward <laughs> position where we're like am I going to be led by the Holy Spirit or am I going to ignore the situation but I think we'll be surprised I think the more you respond to God's call or respond to the Holy Spirit's voice, you'll be surprised at what He's doing. Yeah. And it may, it, of course, it may lead into rejection or a no, or it wasn't right, or it didn't seem like it was right. It may be right spiritually. But I think that the more, I think this is really, not to speak too big, but this is really the key to this generation's revival is love and compassion and being normal (laughs) around the part, you know, people that we live with. And I really think that this is the, the key to what, you know, growth in the church is love and compassion and responding to God's voice. And I think you're right with, with compassion and love, because if we're trying to share Jesus with people, and the motivation isn't love and compassion. If it's just, I really want to invite you to church. I really want you to come to my church. Or if it's like another notch in our spiritual belt. Or, you know, people see behind that motivation. And so we have to be led by love and compassion. You know, because then it'll be effective and true. The more, and people have their routine. And what you've been preaching lately and what we're talking about doesn't fit in the routine of Christianity or what not Christianity but what some people have I don't know it's kind of judgmental well and you have to be be careful we're not thinking of individuals but the question is do people understand what we're getting at at the heart of what we're saying that this is something that not only is important but this is something that we are almost called to to be available to people, to demonstrate where God is at work, to reveal to them the things that have already happened in their life and how God has been involved. Those are things that, it's, it's a mission that we all have. We don't have to be given a title or a position in a church or in some right. kind of ministry to recognize this is our calling, that if we are Christians, this is something that we do. And not everybody gets it. I, and it's, a, it's part of the struggle that you have in leading a church or leading a group of people that not everybody understands to the same degree how important it is that you make yourself available and not just to Christians. We do have a responsibility to love our, you know, the members of our congregation um, and to love the other Christians that we know. Yes, we have a responsibility towards them and, and to care and to, to be concerned about them, but we also have a responsibility to those who are outside of the faith because if, if God is good, if his kingdom is a good kingdom, if his life is abundant, then we would want to share that with other people. We wouldn't want to hold on to that for ourselves. We would want to communicate that to others. Um, but we fall foul of whether we're talking about going out and meeting people or whether we're talking about uh, 
praying with more determination, we come back to that same problem that you said. Is it something that people try to just fit into their lives as part of their routine of doing things? Or do they recognize that when you make the declaration that Jesus is Lord, that it gives you a certain command that you have to follow? Just as our allegiance as Americans means that we have certain laws that we must follow and certain things that we must do, saying that Jesus is Lord requires of us a certain response. Um, but it's a, hard, it's a hard thing for people to, to grasp, um, partly because the exact way that it works itself out is different for every single person. Right. And so you can't say... You've got to do X, Y, and Z, and that's how it will work in your life. You have to be responsible for what God is saying to you. Right. But if Jesus is, is not the focus, the, the driving force, you know, the point of your life, then there is something of the heart of Christianity that you've missed. I think, too, that people who do those things out of a religious obligation aren't effective. You know, so like the guy that stands on the street corner, and I've known people like this, you know, that stand on the street corner and preach because they have to declare the word of the Lord. Well, they're not doing it out of compassion. Their heart isn't motivated by love. And so they're doing it out of like this religious fervor, which I don't know is always the most effective thing. But if we're just making friends and being involved in groups outside of just our Christian circles, we're going to be doing that. I mean, I would hope, I would hope that people would know that you're a Christian. Like I have a friend, um, who is a pastor's wife, but she's also involved in an international women's dinner. She has a book club. She has, um, she goes to this open mic night every Friday night. And so there's all these little circles that aren't Christian circles, but they all know that she's a Christian. You know, they all know that they can talk to her. She talks about the Lord. She shares it in a really, really real way. And I respect that because she recognizes that there's church, not obligation, because I just, I think that, but um, experience, church uh, opportunity outside of our church meetings. Mm-hmm. And as Christians and as Cornerstone, we need, I think the more that we get a hold of that, the more effective we're going to be in our community. Yeah. That as we get involved in PTO and, you know, different clubs and places where people are, yeah. that there's enough of Jesus in us, it's going to, it's going to come out and yeah. touch and people it, and change people. And in the, in the go part of the great commission, it, it, there is that implication that we go to where people are and you don't expect everybody to just show up on your door. Right. You know, the spirit of God can, can draw people to where he is if, if he's in your church yes I understand that but we are also expected to go to where people are at and that's I think where we need to look at our own lives and say well where can I go yeah. that I haven't already and if I've exhausted one opportunity um, that doesn't mean that I've fulfilled that obligation now it's time to do something else yeah that would be a super cool thing if on Sundays we got together and we're able to like talk to our friends and go, okay, well, where did you go this week? Where did you go this week? Where, you know, where, where yeah. did you yeah. minister? Where did you find an opportunity? And a lot of it will be ongoing just as we get to know people. Cause I don't think we should just be like walking up to people. Hi, I'm Jody. Do you know Jesus? You know, sometimes I think that's really off putting. We have to be sensitive, but as we make right. friends and as we, you know, share in people's lives and get to know their kids and love their kids and, Accept them. An investment of time, though, to do all of that. Right. Building a relationship. But we should be doing that. And we can't do that with every single person we meet, but we definitely can do that with some. And if we don't have that, if there's not, you know, a family that's not Christian that we're not pouring our lives into, then maybe it's time to reevaluate and And, reprioritize where we spend our time. Look for what we're called to, to do. And just like I was saying earlier about being available to people I really believe in there's no such thing as an atheist in the foxhole uh, just life's hard when when things go bad and they will go bad most of the time um, a lot or for most people yeah. at some time <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I'm just saying that every person is going to you know have some sense of, of a hard time 
I think though, just as I was saying earlier, God is in these great moments in life, like you know, finding uh, or seeing the Grand Canyon or birth of a child or whatnot. God is also it can be in the bad moments in life. I believe too, just as you go through those hard times in your life, something horrible like a divorce or you know losing a loved one or something you know something that really really tends to bring people down. I think God can can be in those moments, and when mm-hmm. you do make yourself available, and people do recognize you as a Christian and an approachable one at that, right. when people go through those moments, they're going to approach you, and it may be five years later, you know, and, and I've had it happen to me, not very much, but I've had it happen where people have called and said, you know, I found myself praying, and I don't ever pray, you know, explain it, you know, and just <laughs> stuff like that, and uh, I think that is very, very effective yeah. way to, to look at it. And I think there's a, a teaching, an idea going around in churches right now, which has been well spoken of by men like Francis Chan, that that there's almost a call in Christianity to deliberately put yourself in situations that are dangerous, that are cause you to be uncomfortable, cause you to live on the edge, whatever the edge might be, but they there is a demand on Christians to go live on the edge, the margins, um, in order to experience God, in order to find God. Because when you're comfortable and sitting still in your house, um, you don't necessarily need God at that moment. But but the principle is, when you need God most, He is always there, and He's with you. And so you can go find Him, and you can almost put yourself in those situations where you are reliant upon God. And a lot of it involves who you choose to go associate with, what you choose to do. But I think it's a very life-giving teaching because we're supposed to be those that attack the darkness, that attack the difficult situations in life, that stand alongside those that are going through those hard moments. And so the more comfortable we are, the less likely we are to be facing those those challenges. I've had Christians come up to me and be really, you know, freaked out about the economic climate in our country. Yeah, good example. You know, the The rioting in London. (laughs) Yeah, and just uh, the political climate and just the things that are happening and so afraid that America is going to, you know, lose its dominance in the world. And my response has been, maybe that would be the best thing for America. (laughs) You know, because if... We're so comfortable, we don't have a need of God as much. You know, it's harder to find, for, for just the, the average person, I'm not t- really talking about believers, but maybe America does need to suffer a little bit of hardship to really bring us back to our knees and recognize that our provision comes through the Lord and our safekeeping comes through the Lord. And, you know, not, not even as a, a whole country, but as individuals and as churches and as groups that it doesn't it doesn't matter what's happening around us we still can find what we need in God yeah yeah no no you're right and uh, Christians need to understand that those things when you lose a job when you when your house gets foreclosed that's not a sign of the of God's removal of his blessing no absolutely it's not a sign of God's of removal of God's favor it's not God's fault basically right right those things that we go through, they're not God's fault. There's, it's an, it's an outworking of the climate right now and the economy. And yeah. you know, God never promises to remove us from feeling the effects of that. But as, as Americans, it's been like that. I mean, we've yeah. really... And I, think, I do think that we should you know, pray about our, our finances and offer those up to the Lord. But recognize that God... <laughs> God didn't die on the cross so we could be comfortable and live in nice houses. Live in suburbia. And, yeah, yeah, and have nothing ever break down. And, you know, I mean, life is life and stuff is hard. And we have to walk through it with faith and hope and joy. And even when things are really bad, are we going to freak out and go either, you know, why does God hate me or what am I doing that he's punishing me for? Because I don't think he really does that unless we're like, I mean, maybe if we're just in out-and-out rebellion and sin, he might make things hard in order for us to come back to him. Well, I think what happens is that he lets us experience the consequences sometimes. I think his blessing is that so often we don't experience the full impact of our bad decisions. 
his blessing is that he, you know, mitigates right. the consequences but some, for us. But sometimes things happen that don't have anything to do with our bad decisions. I mean, they just, True. you know, like losing a job or, or... Or it might be somebody else's bad decision. Right. <laughs> and so, I just... Yeah. No, I agree. That's it. It is true. So all of that to say, when bad things happen, we should never react in anger towards God and somehow assume that it's God's fault or that God's failed us. Yeah. That's not... As Christians, it's at those moments we should have the courage to believe God and know that He, when we need Him most, He's there with us even more. Right. And that He is faithful to complete the work that He started in us. And... Sometimes through those rough times, that's exactly what he's doing. Is he's being faithful to his promise to complete yeah. Yeah. the good stuff in us, and we have to walk through hard stuff in order to grow. I mean, we gain maturity, we gain wisdom when we experience life, and if we never experience anything, we're very narrow-minded and self-centered, and Immature. can't can't empathize with people that go through hard stuff. So, I mean, there's a, there's a reason, even though I don't think God is making it happen, but I think he lets life happen. Right. Well, we don't attribute evil to God, but at the same time, we know that in every situation, God can be working in us uh-huh. to do something good. And a lot of it is about the character that we develop by overcoming these hard things. And uh, you learn much more, you become... You gain much more character, as our parents tried to teach us. You, <laughs> you gain more character by going through difficult things than you ever do by experiencing um, good stuff. Good stuff, easy yeah, stuff. easy things. In fact, our young kids that have a sense of entitlement—I mean, I'm not the only person to say that. Our kids feel a certain entitlement because of not our kids personally, not our personal kids. kids. <laughs> <laughs> Those kids! Yeah. <laughs> Get off your high horse, kid! The youth of today. <laughs> you know, there is they, they do expect certain privileges as a right, right rather than a privilege. Yeah. Uh, that, that's true. And it's because they've experienced a lot of blessing. And yet, what's been the net result of that? They don't understand the source of the blessing. They don't attribute... They don't give God the thanks for it. They, mm-hmm. You know, they expect those things as a right. And so what do you, what would you do as a parent if your kid becomes spoiled by entitlement? You, you withhold things from them, right? I mean, right. The, as, a, as a parent that loves their kids and wants them to grow up with a better understanding of how life really works, you would withhold, mm-hmm. withhold from them some of that stuff that they expect in order to teach them more character. I can, and that's how I view God. It's not that God is causing bad things to happen. I think He's withholding some of His, His covering, covering His blessing, in order to allow us to experience consequences. Mature, and, and so that grow. we mature, right? And so that we learn how to give Him the thanks in the good times, and how to trust Him in the difficult times. How fickle my heart and how woozy my eyes. I struggle to find any truth in your lies And now my heart stumbles on things I don't know My weakness I feel I must finally show Lend me your hand and we'll conquer them all But lend me your heart and I'll just let you fall Lend me your eyes, I can change what you see But your soul you must keep totally free Ha, ha, ha.
these bodies we will live, in these bodies we will die. The way you invest your love, you invest your life. In these bodies we will live, in these bodies we will die. And where you invest your love, you invest your life.